Well, today's message is all about the fifth commandment, honor your parents. And we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or flip over your, over your bulletin, it's written on there also. So I'm going to start today with a question. Who here has had a boss that you absolutely can't stand? Anybody had a boss that you just had a whole lot of trouble with? And that you just, whenever you saw them coming, you wanted to run in the opposite direction, didn't want to have anything to do with this person coming at you. It reminded me of a time when I was in basic training. Now, in basic training, you're mostly trained by sergeants and other non-commissioned officers. However, on paper at least, we were officially commanded by a second lieutenant that was in charge of our platoon, but really we only saw the lieutenant when there was an inspection or if you got into trouble, you'd have to appear before him um, for either just a counseling session or even up to a judicial punishment called an Article 15, or excuse me, non-judicial punishment. And the punishment was all kinds of stuff, restriction of barracks and forfeiture of pay and all kinds of stuff with that. We know who our lieutenant was, but we never really got to see him. But about four weeks before graduation, our lieutenant was replaced with another guy, fresh out of ROTC, just got his commission. This new guy was total opposite of the other lieutenant. This guy was very hands-on. He was there all the time. He went marching with us. He came out and attended PT with us. He went to the range with us. He was trying to be very involved with us as we finished our training. The drill sergeants hated this guy because he couldn't do anything right. He kept telling us the wrong things to do. You gotta remember that a second lieutenant is a private as an officer. So they really don't know what they're doing. As sergeants are supposed to train the second lieutenant who at least on paper is their boss. So it's, it's kind of a unique situation in the military. And this guy could not do anything right. He was always yelling, he's never making sense. He's generally being a pain in the backside to everyone. And actually, that is the definition of a newly minted second lieutenant. And I remember I was walking from um, one part of the range to another, and I saw him coming. Now, when you're on the range in the military, the range where you're shooting your rifles and, and practicing with your weapons and all that, you're supposed to treat this like a combat situation. In a combat situation, you never, ever acknowledge an NCO by going to parade rest or salute an officer because when you're in a combat situation or in a combat theater, there are snipers out there. And the snipers are looking for somebody who's being saluted because they want to take out an officer. They don't want to take out me, some lowly private. They want to take out an officer because they're gonna, they know that's going to throw everybody into chaos if they have no leadership. So on the range, we practice that and we do not salute officers. So as I'm walking past this lieutenant, I said, good afternoon, lieutenant. How are you, sir? And he looked at me and he goes, well, private, where's my salute? I said, well, sir, we're on the range. We don't salute on the range. We treat it as a combat situation. He said, private, we're at peace right now for crying out loud. We're in peacetime. I expect you to show full military courtesy to every single officer and NCO that you meet. So, okay, he's giving me a direct order now. I'm sitting here with my rifle. It's at parade rest. You carry your rifle like this on the range. And so I snapped it to salute. I said, okay, salute. And he said, Private, you are to sling that weapon and salute me properly. 
Well, I have a loaded weapon in my hand. You do not sling a loaded weapon on the range. That's a big, 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 huge safety no-no. Right, right about then, the drill sergeants saw what was going on. They came over and rescued me from the lieutenant. Later, back in the barracks, we're sitting here talking about the latest antics of our second lieutenant, and we're all kind of making fun of him. And our senior drill instructor, Drill Sergeant Monk, comes by. And he said, Private Oscar, Private Jones, Private um, Hayworth, I want you in my office. we got to talk about what happened today. I need to take your statements because we're actually going to be reporting this to the company commander because this guy needs to be reined in. We've, we've tried on our level. It needs to get kicked up to the next level now. So we went in there. We made our statements, and he listened to what happened. He's writing it down, writing out the report and everything. And he said, okay, privates are dismissed now. And as I was walking out the door, I just had this burning question in my mind. And I said, Drill Sergeant Monk, permission to speak freely. He said, go ahead, Private. I said, Drill Sergeant, you are an Army Ranger. That's like Special Forces. You are, have been in the military over 25 years. You are a combat vet of three different conflicts. How can you stand to have to salute this college kid? I mean, he doesn't know what he's doing. He, has, he treats you with utter disrespect and contempt, and yet you have to salute this guy. And he said, Private, I'm going to tell you something that is going to help you in life. And if you can understand this and you, you put this inside your character, it is going to help you not only in your military career, but in your entire life. And he said, Private, remember, when you have a superior that you cannot understand, remember that when you salute, you're not saluting the person, you're saluting their uniform. You're saluting the rank. And he said, if you can learn to do that, if you can learn to show respect for somebody that you cannot stand, you will be way further in life than most of those other guys out there right now. And I started... the. This, today's lesson with this story to illustrate that I know that the fifth commandment and the subject of honoring our parents can be a very tricky subject for a lot of people. So let's do an experiment. Everybody close your eyes for a minute. Picture your father. God says to honor him. Now picture your mother. God says to honor her. You can open your eyes. For some, that little bit of time created fond memories of your parents. And for all those who might have had their parents pass on now, maybe it was a little bittersweet, but it was still a fond memory. For some of us, those mental pictures made a little bit of a knot in your stomach. And now there's a little bit of pain left over. Now, if you're in that second group, I understand. I grew up in a broken home. I grew up around drugs, alcohol, partying, even motorcycle gangs. I was physically abused by my mother's boyfriend. So I understand how sometimes when we talk about honoring our parents, that just doesn't compute in our minds. And for me, this was a very hard sermon to prepare and it probably went through about 10 different versions and was rewritten a little bit even this morning when I got up to put the final touches on it. And to many of us, this idea of honoring our parents is painful and almost impossible for us to grasp, 
And I want to say in the onset of today's message that I understand that completely and I understand the struggle that some of the people are going to have about their childhood. But as your pastor, I want to assure you that I get that. I understand that. I'm not up here just thundering down from the pulpit and having no understanding what you might be going through. But our life experience does not give us a pass on following God's word. So we're going to read this commandment as written, expound on it a little bit, and the reasons that God placed this commandment in the big ten of his law, and then look at some of the ways that we can honor our parents. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord is giving you. And Father, I just want to bring everybody to the place this morning that we can honestly thank you for the two people you put in our life that we called mom and dad. And I ask, Father, that you just open our hearts, that you help us forgive any past hurts that we may have toward those people, and that we can live this commandment with a straight face and a sure heart, Father. And Lord God, I ask this in your name. Amen. Today we transition in our study and series on the Ten Commandments and taking the focus of how we worship and honor God and switch our focus to how we obey and treat or obey Him and how we treat each other. You see, the first four commandments, if you look at the cross here, the first four commandments were vertical in their orientation. It was between us and God. The last six commandments are horizontal in how we treat and honor God through how we treat each other. And today we're going to look at the reasons for the family structure that God created about this honoring of, of our parents. And look at the reasons that God gave it as stated in the commandment. Move on to the practical aspect and then end with the way to show honor to our parents. So God begins this horizontal plane of his law by establishing the family as a primary human institution. And some of you would be surprised to hear a pastor say that. Most pastors would say the, the church is a, the primary human institution, but that's, that's not what the Bible really says. If you look back at creation, God created the family long before he created this formal institution that worshipped him and, and followed him and, and was worried about making disciples. Family was first in God's created order when it came to how to govern human beings. And God begins by establishing the headship of this most important and basic building block of any nation, any culture, any town, any society. How the family dynamic is supposed to work. Now suppose that there is an inventor out there that has a product in his or her mind that is just going to revolutionize the way that we live our lives. So he, this person decides that they're going to get this business up and running to make this plan work. So what do they do first? Do you go and hire the assembly line workers first? Well, no, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You don't even have a factory yet. Do you hire the receptionist first? That doesn't make a lot of sense either. Well, how about the janitorial staff, a process engineer, bookkeeper? No. He's going to go out, he's going to find some partners and hire the senior management team first. 
So what did God do in, in establishing the church? Did he appoint the pastors first? No. Did he appoint people with gifts of administration or miracle workers? No. The te did he appoint teachers first? No. 1 Corinthians 12 said that God established the senior leadership team first, the apostles and the prophets. The apostles to provide leadership and aggressively spread the gospel of the kingdom and the prophets to give it direction. And God did the same thing with the family here. He created the senior leadership team and assigned children for them to manage. And God's created order is just that. It is very orderly. It is very specific in the way it is supposed to work. In other words, it's like an organizational chart that many of you might have seen at work. For example, Melanie, you have a principal teacher, you have an assistant principal teacher, and then you have you know, the other division heads within your school. The same thing happens in God's family. It has structure, it has rank, it has authority. And that authority is given in the family unit. And in God's organizational chart, it looks like this. You have God as the head over it. You have the father or the husband, if you don't have any children in the home. And then you have the mother and wife at his side, not under his feet. It is, remember, God didn't take a bone out of our heel, men. He took a bone out of our rib because our wife stands next to us, not below us. Just a little aside there for the women. <laughs> then it goes to the eldest child and down through the baby of the family. Now, if the institution of the family keeps their places within that order, there is great blessing, there is great peace, and there is a proper representation of the kingdom to show the world the glory of God. Another reason that God establishes the family order is that it reinforces respect for God-given authority. There's a few sayings that I looked up from the ancient world. They're not necessarily biblical, but they're kind of wise sayings. And they have some truth to them. One of them said that mother or mama is the name of God to a small child at the breast. That's all they know is their mother. There's also a truism concerning fathers. Is that a person will always view God based on how they view their father. In other words, if the father is absent... God doesn't really exist for that person. There is no ruler over the top of them. If the father is abusive, then God is going to be viewed as capricious or angry. If the father isn't a spiritually solid man who appropriately disciplines his children, God is viewed as a pushover that will accept you for who you are no matter what. God establishes parents as the first authority that any of us should know in our lives. As parents are God's given authority to us, how we respect and treat our parents is ultimately how we respect and treat our God. That's why being a parent is the most difficult role you're ever going to have in your life and the most important role that you will have. Your actions will directly affect your child's view of God and perhaps even their eternal destiny. But what does that mean for people who had less than optimal examples of parenthood in their life? There are two things to think about if your parents were not the best examples for you. One, they were born sinners. Some of you might be automatically wanting to shout amen to that. But guess what? So were you. 
If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and made him the Lord and Savior, then you have become a sinner saved only by God's grace. And you're currently being transformed from sinner into saint through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you started out the same way they did. The second thing about that is there's one thing I've learned in life is that every human authority is going to fail you sooner or later. That means the politicians may fail you someday. Anybody ever experience that? <laughs> I know, right? That means local authority, law enforcement, aldermen, city workers, they may fail you. It means boss or bosses at work. That means your parents. That means even the people sitting next to you today in church. And they may be, it may even mean your pastor may fail someday to live up to your expectations. Because human authority is just that. It's human. It's human, which means it's fallible. They will all fail you sooner or later. But God will never fail you. God will never fail you. And that's why you are always to view human leadership through God's eyes and understand that they are in the same place you are. A sinner saved by grace. And some of them just sinners. For all those who had these difficulties in childhood, let me remind you of a spiritual truth. Romans 8.28 That we know in all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been according, called according to his purpose. I mentioned at the beginning that this is a hard sermon for me to do. But as I thought about this scripture, it says all things. Say all things. All things. Oh, come on, you don't sound convinced. All, all things. things. All there you go. That means God used everything in my life, the good, the bad, the ugly, to mold and shape me into the man I am today. And you know what? I trust God. I trust that God, even back during those hard times, that He was guiding me through it and bringing me to where I am today. So I ask if this is you, if closing your eyes and thinking of your parents made you think of, of bad things, I ask this morning that you give this pain to the Lord. Let Him give you His perspective of it because that pain will then heal when you have God's proper perspective of what you went through and if you learn to trust God with your past then you will trust him as a guide into your future so let's get into some of the practical whys for this commandment we're going to quickly look through some of the reasons honoring our father and mother is important because a strong church is made up of strong families it is essential for a strong church to be made up of strong families. The church's health is determined by the health of its individual families. If the families are in chaos, will the church be healthy? If there is all kinds of strife and bickering and fighting and rebellion within the home, the church will never be healthy. If you look at the spiritual qualifications and leadership, in the church, in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, they focus on how well church leaders well run their home and that their children obey them with proper respect when they're in the home. Now, if your children were raised in the church and trained in God's ways, but as adults, they are not following God as they should, 
don't be that hard on yourselves. You did your job. Now they are responsible for their own actions. And great men of God have had the same problem. Consider Samuel. Samuel's sons did not follow his ways. One of the greatest prophets in the whole Old Testament, and his sons walked away from God. David, look at David's whole family, for crying out loud. That was a mess. Solomon, same thing. Wisest man that ever lived. His sons didn't follow him very well. Even Josiah, Josiah who brought all the reform back to uh, Judah and brought them back to God, as soon as he dies, his sons lead him right back into idolatry. Billy Graham, somebody a little bit more recent for us, had all of his sons, or I'm sorry, Billy Graham had sons and daughters that rebelled and led sinful lives after they left their parents' house. Franklin Graham, the guy who runs his ministry right now, had an extended period of rebellion after he left Billy Graham's house. So don't be too hard on yourself if your parents, or excuse me, if your children are not living up to your expectations. Your job is to pray and love them back into the kingdom, even if their conduct sometimes drives you crazy with worry. I know because Tammy and I have been there a few times. Number two, it's essential for the nation that families are in order. As most of you know, I worked on the north side of Milwaukee in the inner city, and the number one problem there isn't the gangs, it's not the violence, it's not the drugs, it's absent fathers. It was a total destruction of the family, particularly in the African-American community there. It was a total destruction of the family is the reason that they're in the situation they're in. But it's not just a problem with the inner city or amongst people of a certain color or culture. It's widespread. In my opinion, the number one reason that we face a culture that is completely antithetical to Christ or his church is because of this situation within the families. Children are being raised not to respect one parent or another because their families are broken. Or they didn't have one parent in the home who has fallen, and they've fallen away from the idea that there's any authority in their life and the consequences of that situation are just very rampant among us right now. The Bible itself asks the question, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And that foundational thing within our culture is the family and especially respect for mother and father. If the family unit is God's foundation for the spiritual health of humanity, is it any wonder why the primary attack of the devil is right there? I mean, think about the destruction that has happened within the families. It's because that's one of the primary attacks of our enemy. So we spent some time focused on the negative aspects of what it means when we don't honor our parents or the difficulty it ha we might have with honoring our parents. Let's look at some of the ways that we can honor them. First way we can um, learn to honor our mother and father is to follow Matthew 5, or excuse me, Matthew 7, verse 5, which says, You hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. If you had a hard childhood because of bad parenting, you need to forgive your parents, even if they have passed on. You need to confess your feeling to God and let Him bring healing to your spirit. This is something that needs to happen because as long as you hold this ought in your heart, it will affect the way you see God Himself. 
The second thing is speak well of them in public. If they did the one thing right, they had you. And you're here today because of them. And think about that for a minute. When God made his plan for your life, he chose them to be your parents. Their DNA lives inside of you. And for better or worse, whether they're horrible, average, or awesome parents, they deserve your respect because they were God's provision and God's plan for you. So speak well of them when you speak about your parents to other people. In fact, nine out of the ten revisions were me removing illustrations that I would have been speaking ill of my parents. That's why I had to go through so many revisions because I wanted to honor this commandment. Number three, listen to them even when you don't agree. Everybody here is an adult child of somebody. And when you leave home and become an adult, you still need to honor your parents. That means call them once in a while. i got to call my dad. Talk to them. Even listen to their advice, even when you don't agree with them. Because there is wisdom in years. The Bible says respect the gray hair. There's something the young don't always understand until they themselves get some life experience under their belts. Listen to your parents' life experience because you might be able to glean some wisdom from it and avoid making the same mistakes that they did. Number four, care for them when they get older. 1 Timothy 2 has some hard words for us today. Paul's telling Timothy, he says, if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repairing, repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. Skipping a few more verses down, it says, and this is pretty harsh right here, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household or their immediate family, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty harsh. And I know that there are some situations like advanced Alzheimer's and, and, and very hard medical situations where people need medical care that can't always be given at home. But saying that, the Bible's prescription for us is that we repay our parents by taking care of them as they age. And guess, guys, that includes our mother-in-laws. I thought they'd get a better laugh. See, I'm not going to use your jokes anymore, Tammy. (laughs) Of course, it failed. It's your joke. (laughs) In all seriousness, we are the church of Jesus Christ. Let's not be like the world who warehouses their parents in nursing homes so that they can be free to live their lives. You know, I've been involved in EMS a very long time, and one of the most tragic things I see is a person in the nursing home whose last visit from family was six months ago. That to me is tragic. And this should never be among those who claim to be Christians. Ever. And finally, I'll end our time today with this thought. This is the only of the ten, one of the Ten Commandments with a promise attached to it. That it all might go well with you. If we honor our parents, our families will become unbreakable. If we honor our parents, 
Our churches will be strong. If we honor our parents, our nations will be undefeatable. If we honor our parents, God's kingdom forcibly advances without all this baggage of broken families that is currently weighing it down. And finally, I end with this reminder from the beginning of the message. If you can't respect your parents, respect the uniform. Respect the position that they held over you when they decided to have you as their child. Even if your parents were the best, weren't the best, respect the position because it was given by God. And you know what? God doesn't make mistakes.